Hello and welcome to the Rising Ecosystems Podcast from FDI Intelligence, which explores the opportunities and challenges facing startups in cities around the world. I'm your host, Alex Owen Hunt, and while we began by covering startup scenes in the UK, our recent episodes looked into Europe, where we interviewed prominent entrepreneurs in both Vienna and Berlin about their experiences scaling businesses in those cities. In the last episode, I spoke with Tao Tao, the co-founder and chief operating officer of Get Your Guide, which is an experienced booking platform based in Berlin. Tao discussed the pandemic's impact on global tourism, Berlin's development as a tech hub, and also where he thinks the ecosystem could be improved. If you liked that episode and others in the series, please leave us a rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. But in this episode, I look into the startup ecosystem of Turkey's largest city, Istanbul. As a city that is home to 16 million people and straddles two continents, Istanbul is perhaps best known for its rich history, culture, and culinary offering. But more recently, the city has made headlines for another reason, its startups. Istanbul's tech scene has quickly become better known thanks to successes such as gaming unicorn Peak Games, as well as big startup exits like Hepti Barada, an online shopping platform which in July 2021 became the first Turkish company to list on the Nasdaq Stock Exchange. But to find out more what it's really like in Istanbul's startup scene, back in August, I spoke to one of the city's most prominent entrepreneurs, Nazim Salur, who is the co-founder and CEO of delivery app Getir, which is valued at $7.5 billion. Founded in 2015, Getir pioneered the 10-minute grocery delivery model, which uses a network of dark stores to deliver groceries directly to consumers. Getir has shown how tech innovation can originate from anywhere in the world and quickly become ubiquitous, with several other startups now replicating its same model. Nazim himself has been a serial entrepreneur for 25 years, first beginning his tech journey in 2012 when he founded ride-hailing app by taxi, going on three years later to found Getir. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Nazim about Getir's journey and Istanbul's startup scene. Nazim, welcome to the Rising Ecosystem podcast. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to start by touching on the business that Getir is in. Uh, obviously, the on-demand grocery delivery market is a very competitive space, and there's several players fighting for market share and new players emerging uh, seemingly every month at the moment. I wonder if you could start by giving your outlook for the grocery delivery market, and then more specifically, what makes Getir stand out from the crowd? Well, everybody thinks there's big competition out there. I beg to differ, because uh, if you look at the amount of groceries sold in any given country and the amount of digital grocery sales, it's still a small percentage. And the super fast delivery model that we came up with six years ago, which we pioneered, is just a little fraction of that digital grocery sales. So uh, it doesn't matter how many players are coming up to the market. Uh, even the total of everyone is still uh, a little fraction of uh, total grocery sales. And even uh, with the digital grocery sales, it's still uh, quite new. So uh, I believe the future is uh, very promising in this sector. 
because when you can deliver uh, groceries in about 10 minutes or so, this is faster than uh, a consumer can do it on, on, on his own. And this changes the game. It's not just uh, selling uh, groceries. This is uh, actually we're selling convenience. What we're selling is time. The groceries are a secondary product. I mean, everybody thinks we sell groceries, but uh, groceries have been uh, everywhere. I mean, for hundreds of years, uh, shops were selling groceries. People were guy buying groceries. So we we didn't create selling groceries. But uh, having it in about 10 minutes at your door, that's that's the idea we come up with. And it changes things. It does. More and more people are going to use this. And there will be room for more than one player uh, in any market. Uh, will there be a room for 10 or 20 players in a single market? Probably not. But I definitely believe there will be room for a few players. Well, it's great to hear your positive outlook. but um, And of course, lots of us around the world have used Getir and other services while we've been in COVID-19 related lockdowns and movement restrictions. You know, one argument made is that there might have been a boom in this sort of delivery services during the pandemic, but it sounds like you're expecting that to continue. Yes, because we came up with the idea six years ago, there was no COVID. I mean, COVID has been with us last 15, 16 months. So uh, we were growing uh, before COVID. In some years, we were growing fourfold in Turkey. So the real uh, boost here is the convenience it creates. Of course, the COVID situation uh, accelerated growth uh, to some extent, uh, but then growth is going to be there uh, after COVID. Uh, at least that's what we see in Turkey. We still grow. Life is pretty, pretty much back to normal now, and uh, business can still grow. Fantastic to hear. Now, back in June, you raised a large Series D funding round, $555 million at a valuation of $7.5 billion. Congratulations first. Yeah, but thank I'm, you. I'm very keen to hear how you plan to use this funding, particularly given the 10-minute the grocery model, uh, delivery model you have that involves dark stores and, and lots of infrastructure, I suppose. So what are your plans for, to use this funding? Actually, we raised about a billion dollars this year. I mean, like this was... Uh three rounds in a row. We raised um, uh, like 128 and then 300 and then 555 two months uh, uh, after each other. So in about four months, we did three rounds, which is, uh, which is not something I planned for uh, starting this year, but the, the market situation enabled us to do that. So we decided to move faster to, uh, into the new markets. And we did three rows, uh, three rounds in a row, and uh, so the, the proceeds of this will go to uh, mainly new markets, but also will will go for further growth in our existing markets, uh, which is the biggest market where we operate is in Turkey still, uh, but other new markets are ramping up pretty quickly. We're now operational in the UK. Germany, France, and Netherlands. And uh, we, we just bought uh, a company in Spain. And Spain and Italy and Portugal will be operational within a few months. Uh, so we'll be covering, uh, we'll be operational in eight countries in Europe. And then by uh, before the end of the year, we'll be operational in the United States. 
So we will, uh, before the end of the year, uh, we will have nine countries that we're operating. So that's, uh, that's a lot to do, actually, uh, a lot to spend. Uh, a lot of growth is expecting us. Uh, and uh, uh, we will uh, spend the money wisely. Uh, look, uh, there's this idea that because uh, companies like us uh, can uh, raise money easily at this time, uh, they will just uh, use it uh, foolishly, maybe, you know. Uh, that's not the case with us. I mean, like, I don't know what others are doing, but uh, we are a reasonable company uh, which spends its uh, funds wisely. That's, uh, I mean, we will spend it when we need to, but uh, at, at certain times we will also be very disciplined. And uh, because we are in this game for the long run, and we're not here to just uh, do something quickly and then, you know, try to exit the game within a year or two. That's not our game. We're here for the long run. So if we do something wrong today, we know that'll alert us in the future. We try not to do any mistakes, big mistakes that that's going to hurt us along the way. With the six year knowledge we built, I think we will spend the, the, the money we have very wisely. That's good to know. And I'd love to dig a bit deeper into the Turkish ecosystem and we'll get onto that. But with the US expansion, what are the plans there? Are you focusing on specific metro areas? And, and what do you see as the sort of main challenges and opportunities to expanding in the, into the US? Yeah, we will start with uh, New York, Chicago and Boston. Uh, before the end of the year, we'll be operational in these three cities. So, and then we'll take it from there. I mean, and then uh, we should be able to move to other cities next year. You know, I lived in the U.S. in the in the 90s and early 2000. I spent quite a bit of time there myself and with my family. So uh, U.S. is the market after Turkey I know most about. So uh, I don't think it will be that big of a challenge for us. Uh, this service uh, w will be welcomed by the U.S. consumer. Uh, I have big trust in this. And there will be competition. Some some other competitors are emerging in some markets, and probably there'll be more within the next few years. It'll be fun. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that expansion, and I'm sure lots Thank of you. our U.S. listeners will be looking forward to using Getir services in the future. But as you say, you've had quite an illustrious career between Turkey and the U.S., multinationals, and then becoming a, a serial entrepreneur, um, starting off by launching uh, by Taxi, the ride-hailing app in Turkey, and then uh, going on to uh, launched Get Here in 2015. So you really have been at the forefront of entrepreneurship in Turkey and uh, being based in Istanbul, so Istanbul's development as a startup ecosystem. I'd love if you could just describe sort of the timeline of Istanbul's development as a location to start and grow a business um, since, since you began uh, your entrepreneurial journey. Actually, I'm not uh, one of the early ones. I, I came into this market a little later than many others. I mean, Istanbul's ecosystem started, uh, the tech ecosystem started around 20 years ago, you know, uh, early 2000, uh, somewhere there, the first uh, startups, uh, successful ones were emerging. Uh, and then I, I came in in 2012, actually, 12 years later. So I've been in the, in this scene last eight years. And, uh, and it has been a fantastic run. 
uh, for me. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, what we were able to achieve. And uh, the, 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 the thing we did uh, differently with Gitter is this, okay? Uh, there were other startups, successful startups that were founded before Bitaxi or Gitter. So we're not the only one. And that's a good thing for, for the country. But uh, what differentiates Getir uh, from many others, including my earlier startup, is it's a unique idea. Uh, it's an original idea. All the rest, pretty much, were successful uh, clones of uh, existing ideas around the world. So something starts flying in the US or Europe or Asia somewhere. And then, actually, this is true for many startups. I mean, like maybe. 90% of the startups are, are clones of the originals. I mean, like, and, uh, and sometimes the originals, if they do a good job, they stay the strongest in the market. Sometimes the newcomers do a better job and you, you even forget who the original idea came from. Okay, so it works both ways. So uh, if, if an idea is good, others are going to clone you. And... Uh, we are an idea coming from Turkey, being cloned all around the world. I counted more than 20 the other day, uh, 20 startups trying to do exactly what Gitter does. And uh, that kind of gives me some pride. You know, it's good. People are going to clone because we're doing something good. And they think they can do a better job than we do. So be it. I mean, uh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But we're far ahead with six years of experience. So we should just uh, keep our pace and uh, stay the leader in this industry. Definitely, it's gratifying to see your your model and idea um, being recreated by other ambitious entrepreneurs. But to dig a bit deeper into the Turkish ecosystem, um, Korsgete is a standout example, but you've mentioned that there were several startups prior to get his founding. Um, also, you know, there's been some big exits such as Peak Games uh, mm -hmm. last year, which was acquired by Zynga for uh, $1.8 yeah. billion. I wonder, given given some of these success stories, what you think makes the Istanbul and, and broader Turkish ecosystem special compared to its peers in Europe and Asia? Uh, look, uh, the demographics of Istanbul has a very promising uh, thing I have for startups like like us, okay? First of all, it's a city of 16 million. So in Europe, some countries, the whole country is not even 16 million. You know, a lot of countries have less population than 16 million. So you have all these people in one uh, metropolitan area. So if you're doing something for the consumer, you have this crowd right there in front of you. Uh, and if you're doing something like Getir or our B-Taxi business, something with logistics, in-city logistics, Istanbul is even better uh, being a test case city because it's so challenging. The traffic is crazy. It's one of the worst in Europe. And uh, it's a historic city, uh, narrow streets. There's a sea passage dividing the city into two. It's a hilly city. There's some modern parts of the city, still huge traffic. And if you can succeed in Istanbul, in a business like Getir, uh, you already passed the tests for the whole world, actually. Istanbul has four equal seasons, so we'll, the summer will be hot, 
we will get some snow in the winter. So you will know how to drive in the snow and you will know chocolate will melt in a van uh, in the heat. So you have to come up with solutions to that. So if you go to a hot climate or a cold climate, doing business in Istanbul will get you ready for that. So anything logistics uh, starting in Istanbul has uh, a distinct advantage, uh, I think. And that's why when we uh, took get to these other countries, we were, I'm pleased to say it was much less challenging than Istanbul. I mean, London, Paris, Berlin, and Amsterdam, specifically Amsterdam is much less challenging compared to Istanbul. So if you do the hard one first, then the other ones uh, seem a little easier. That's great to hear that as Istanbul works well as a test bed, given the challenges there. When we look more broadly at sort of the tech ecosystem, uh, you mentioned a city of 16 million. What, what's your assessment of the, the tech talent, the, the engineering talent in Istanbul? How does it compare to some of your uh, employees presumably spread across the world? Is it cost effective? Do you believe there is a, a strong community emerging in Istanbul? Yes and no, uh, because with tech talent, with re remote work capabilities today, uh, there are no uh, uh, borders for tech talent. So a guy can live in Istanbul and work for an American company or Australian company, whatever. So the, the cost advantage, because uh, it's a lower cost country, is there, but that... Uh, is a diminishing advantage every year, okay? And uh, rightfully so. I mean, like, uh, uh, if there are no borders, prices are going to adjust accordingly. And in the tech talent part, we see that. I mean, the annual increases for tech talent is much, much higher every year than the inflation here, trying to catch up with the world markets. But still, it's... Uh, it's a lot less to some of the more mature markets, but the difference is a decreasing difference. And uh, we now uh, hire talent from all around. I mean, the other week uh, we looked at, uh, you know, people, how many countries. There were 37 people working from 37 different countries in Getir at the moment. And I hope there will be 137 within a few weeks. Yes, I mean, like, uh, we'll be open to everyone uh, who shares our, our values to work uh, with Gitter in the future. So, uh, yeah, uh, the young population, the 1835 part of, of the population in Istanbul and Turkey is much bigger than what it is in Europe. So this, this population, this demographics is much more open to new things. They try new things much faster than the, the, the other uh, demographics. So uh, if you have something good in Turkey, uh, the ramp up will be much faster compared to some other countries in Europe. And uh, credit card penetration is very high uh, and uh, smartphone usage is very high also. So perfect for a company such as Getir. Uh, so lots of positives clearly to starting and growing a business in Turkey, as you say, demographics. Um, some of the challenges on the ground in Istanbul have enabled you to create um, better solutions. But of course, like, like any ecosystem, there are, there's always room for improvement. 
I wonder what you see as the main stumbling blocks uh, to entrepreneurs in Istanbul yeah. and, and Turkey more broadly, and, and what's needed to really push forward the ecosystem? That's a good question because until now, what I said uh, paints like a pink picture. You know, the, the picture is not pink, actually. I mean, like it's, uh, uh, we have the challenges. First of all, the Turkish economy uh, goes up and down. Last five, six years, there were many ups and downs. So this scares uh, international investors who would uh, likely invest in Turkish companies. Uh, they think twice and sometimes they change their mind. They think Turkey is too risky. Uh, compared to some other countries, yes, Turkey may look risky, but uh, long term, I believe it's less risky than they presume uh, what it is. Uh, and uh, the brave ones who invest in Turkey had seen great multiples in the companies they invested. So there are good examples, not only Getir, but a few others uh, uh, are uh, giving great multiples to their early investors. So uh, I, I hereby uh, uh, should invite potential investors, more investors looking at Turkey, a, a Turkish ecosystem, uh, as, as a cold uh, or lukewarm, uh, to be more uh, warm uh, investing in Turkish companies because uh, there'll be more coming, more success stories will be coming. Uh, a few stories, a few success stories gives thousands of thousands of new entrepreneurs courage to get into new exciting you know, uh, startups uh, will emerge because of this. And in the next few years, we will see more coming. Access to money, access to funds is very limited in Turkey. That's the biggest challenge. Compared to, let's say, US, a, a good startup's uh, likelihood of getting the right amount of investment in the early stages is so hard uh, compared to US. I mean, like, uh, you have to be a great company with a great idea, great execution, and still you may not be able to get the funds in Turkey. If you do, you have a great idea with great uh, team and you execute greatly, you won't go to waste in the Western hemisphere. Here, you may or you may not succeed. It's still flip of the coin, all right? So because you're talking to get here, this is one of the successful ones. There are other ones who, who could have been much more successful had they had the chance to raise more money. And a lot of the startups in the first 20 years were sold too early uh, at uh, very low valuations, you know. And then they become bigger companies, but the, the founders who founded them either own nothing or very little single-digit percentage points in those companies. So we not only need more successful companies, but we also need uh, more of those companies to be owned by the founders, to uh, a, a bigger percentage of the companies to be owned by the uh, founders. So I'd like to add here what differentiates Getir from many other startups is also we, the founders, still have more than 50% of the company even after this uh, 7.5 billion round. So that is not a common practice uh, in our world. So we not only grew the company, we managed to try to keep 
more of it to ourselves too. That's great to hear, and I'm sure when you when you do eventually exit, given your your pathway, then uh, that that will be very very uh, lucrative for you. Um, so you mentioned funding. But, but, uh, let, let, let me let me interrupt you there. Exit, like you say, we have to exit. Why do I have to exit? It's you a good know? point. I mean, so, there is like, there is no necessity, I, but there's no necessity. Okay, if you need money, you can sell one percent of the company. Still, you can live a rich life. You don't need to sell the company. You know, some great companies, the founders don't sell their companies. They just sell just a little to keep them warm, whatever their needs. And then they, they still own the company. So uh, I'd like to say to uh, the, the young entrepreneurs, uh, exit is not the only way uh, in a startup. You can still own your company 20 years later. That's another way to look at it. Well, you heard it here first from Nazim, that <laughs> budding entrepreneurs don't give away too much of your equity. Uh, you mentioned funding, uh, and clearly that's that's one area that could be improved. Uh, but I wonder more broadly about sort of the infrastructure that's available for entrepreneurs and what maybe can be done to plug this gap. I mean, when you look at ecosystems across the globe, there is there are public funding schemes. You know, pension funds may may de- allocate more money towards venture venture funding, which then feeds through to the ecosystem. Do you think more can be done by the public sector or academic sector in Turkey to to fuel the ecosystem further? No. Uh, There's some public funding, small amounts to thousands of startups. But uh, I don't think that exactly does the trick. What we need is uh, private funding. And if, if the you know, public funding is going to be there. Public funds should fund the funds who know the startup ecosystem. Let's say I own a fund and I'm from the sector. The government can fund my fund 80%. I put 20%, government can put 80%. I'll, I'll better judge on what startup has a better chance of success than, let's say, a university professor as a jury. I, I respect all the professors, uh, don't get me wrong, but uh, the startup scene has no one formula of success. It's it's a little, de- de- deciding on what to invest is a little science, but more an art, I think. You have to get a feeling whether that's going to fly or not. Uh, look at the face of the entrepreneur, the founder, and feel that if that, that thing is going to fly within the next five years or 10 years, or are we in the right time for that? There's so many different things when deciding on investing in a startup. So it can't be really formulated. It's just that uh, some people feel that it's the right thing to do. Some don't. We don't need to reinvent the wheel, okay? The most successful country in this is U.S., so how many public funds are available for U.S. entrepreneurs? Very little. I believe more than 90% of uh, uh, startups get funded by private investors. And that's how it should be. It's a very good point. Now, a penultimate question, Nazim. Of course, Getir runs sort of a gig economy platform where your riders are uh, are offered flexibility. And clearly there is some regulatory kickback on, on that form of work uh, and there's continuing continuing concerns about workers rights and 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 perhaps the stability of their work how do you see the future 
of Getir as a platform for its workers and 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 what do you see as as sort of the main developments moving forward uh, and what you sort of envision as as Getir as an employer of of people around the world look Getir is positioned to offer full-time employment with sick leave and paid uh, uh, holidays and so forth in any country it operates okay so whether through itself or whether through its franchisees so we're not scared to offer full-time employment and most of our employees in turkey through the franchise system are full-time employees but there's also some contract workers if a person wants to choose the contract work we should be able to give that person the right for contract work but we shouldn't push that person to do contract work so it should be a choice okay so that's our attitude and uh, because for some people this kind of career work is a work they want to do just for a few months maybe or in between jobs or if they're students paying for tuition or something they don't look at it as a career and that's okay they should be able to work uh, part time or for just a few months or half a year and these these people aren't after the uh, uh, paid holidays and stuff like that okay and they want to make uh, more money in the short term so they should have that chance and then just as uh, people working in supermarkets doing the shelves the cashiers or the truck drivers working in a logistics company for many years or taxi drivers who take this as a, as, as a serious job if somebody wants to be a career to work at get next five years he should be able to work next five years at Getir as a career, uh, and he should get all the rights of a, a regular employee. That's how we look at it. And uh, I'm having difficulty understanding all these other delivery companies uh, creating an atmosphere as if if contract work, it's, if, if it's not gig economy, they will all fail. I beg to differ. Uh, I think... Uh, giving workers option to do both creates loyalty and makes our business more sustainable for the future. This, this business of uh, uh, delivery shouldn't be modern day slavery, okay? I read some articles uh, calling uh, some work conditions as that. But uh, with, with Getir uh, model, here's what we do. We open dark stores and when we plan a dark store, the first thing we do is draw up a room where these couriers are going to sit if they're not uh, doing delivery so they can have a cup of tea or coffee and the bathroom they're going to use. Okay, So that's the first thing we do in a warehouse. And this contract work, uh, all these other food delivery companies where they don't care what this guy does under the sun or the rain or cold or hot, whatever. So they just send them uh, a note over their phones and go pick this up and deliver it to this address. And they don't really mind uh, how, the, how that guy works. I don't think that's a good model. Okay. So we at Getir, we want our uh, uh, couriers to work as long as possible with us. So we create much better working conditions. And I think that should be the industry standard going forward. 
Well, that's fantastic to hear. And it, as you say, I mean, this continue the continual kickback from entrepreneurs and heads of other delivery companies and gig economy platforms are that you know this is not a sustainable business model. But it's it's very gratifying to hear that that it, in fact it is from Getter's experience. I mean, is it about how careful you've been with your funds uh, in terms of moving forward and, and the the structure and business model you're approaching that means that you are you are able to offer this versus versus other platforms? Our business is a little different uh, compared to others, but um, the thing is, um, in some some countries, there's this mentality that you know somebody says something and people start believing it. Nobody questions it. Okay, so like after our first year, I went to talk to some Silicon Valley investors. So this was 2016. They said 10 minute delivery, great idea. And then the next two questions they asked, do you keep inventory? I said, yes, nobody liked that. And then how do you employ the people? I said, we employ them, they didn't like that. So nobody wanted employers and nobody wanted inventory, okay? So those were the two sins at the time. Nobody wanted to invest in us, not even at a cheap valuation. No, 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 no was the answer we got. And they thought we will go bankrupt. But Getir is here because it carries inventory and because it has a sustainable model where couriers can work for a long time. Okay, so uh, it's a contrarian startup, opposite to the common belief that it won't work if it's not contract work. Look, these uh, companies and, and us too in the new markets, we burn money until we don't. Okay, so like this is not. Uh, this is like a fruit tree, like the first fruit you'll get in maybe five years, seven years. You're not going to get it in, uh, in three months, all right? This is not like a cucumber farming where you get the results in three months. This is uh, a fruit tree we're building. So we got to be patient, spend money before we get the results. And during that time, of course, I understand they want to spend the least amount and they want to have the least liabilities in anything if things go south. I understand that. But then those fears are not going to build sustainable businesses. Look, Amazon is a great company. They employ people. Did they go bankrupt because they employ people? No. Yeah. So being contrarian clearly is working in Getty's favor. And I, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that you've got your workers' rights front of mind. And uh, it's fantastic to hear you be so candid, Nazim. Thank you so much. Uh, now, to round off our conversation, we've covered a lot about Getty's journey, your plans for the future, and Istanbul's ecosystem. I wonder if there's just one main message you want to get across to our, uh, our listeners across the globe about Getty's journey and Istanbul as a location to start and grow a business. Yeah, here's the thing. Getir is a nice example that uh, good ideas can come from any part of the world, okay? So uh, not only some countries that most good ideas come from, and this uh, diversification of countries will be very good for the whole world. So we expect uh, more uh, good idea startups from all the developing countries uh, and uh, uh, to people who listen to us, don't think I can't do this. Think I can do it. Why not me? 
and it's uh, and it's so much more fun to do something original than clone something that's already done. Cloning is not still challenging because, like, just looking at it, you're not going to be able to do it. You still have the challenges, but uh, come up, try to come up with something that's not done, and uh, it is very challenging, very self-fulfilling. I'm glad I, I I had the chance to do get there, and I'm glad. I mean, we worked very hard. It was a good idea. We had a good team, but also you need luck. Also, I mean, like luck plays some part in this timing and so forth. So I'm I'm also a lucky guy uh, that uh, things turned out the way they did, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, bring get to, to many more countries in the next few years and make it a um, household name in the countries it serves. Well, that was my conversation with Nazim Salur of Getir. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I found him to be refreshingly candid about some of the challenges facing entrepreneurs in Istanbul, notably funding, but also some of the advantages Getir has found from scaling and testing their model in Istanbul. If you'd like to look into more of our content, you can feel free to go to fdiintelligence.com where you'll find a host of stories about startups, foreign direct investment, and economic development. That's all from me for this episode. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to welcoming you next time. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.